Whether you realize it or not, we are very much Midwesterners, and we have a special way of interacting with each other that's different than other parts of the country. For example, the East Coast in the Midwest. There is a noticeable difference, and if you're not aware of it, it can cause some difficulties. I went online to find a reference to help me express exactly what I mean by this, and this was from Odyssey magazine. Midwesterners can come across as being overwhelmingly friendly at times, and many seem to genuinely care to hear all about your life. On the other hand, most East Coasters are not interested in small talk. It's not that they are trying to be rude, it's just that they are more interested in going about their day than hearing about a stranger's one. So, keeping this in mind, imagine that you are an East Coast Bishop of the Catholic Church, and all of a sudden you're picked up and you're plunked down in the Midwest, in the Diocese of Cleveland. This is what happened to Bishop Lennon, our former bishop, whom I love and who was very good to me and very good to this parish. But when he first got here, it was rough going. He came across to the priests as very blunt and authoritarian. I remember when he assigned me here, we met in his office and we got right down to, the, right down to business. He said, you go down there and you're my man there, and you sit at the head of every table, and you tell them that you are my representative down here. You're taking charge. I went, oh, okay. And really thought, what's wrong with these people that he's sending me down here like this? I was a little scared. <laughs> and my first meeting was with our then business manager, uh, Tim Kostelik, and our head of our parish uh, finance council, Ken Contrera, and I went in and I kind of said, well, hi, guys, here's what I thought we should do. And they said, oh, sure, Father, whatever you say. I went, oh, we voided this. Could you imagine if I came down here and started pounding my fist on the table? It would have been disaster. And to be fair, conversely, he admitted that when he was first here, he thought we here in the Midwest were a little indecisive and slow to act did not realize that, and quite frankly, we don't realize, we have a little bit of ceremony in getting to a decision about something. When I have something difficult to decide here at the parish, it's not unusual for me to gather a couple of key persons that are involved in it, and we sit out on the porch of the church with an appropriate beverage, and slowly through a long course of discussion come across to a course of action. I think that might have driven our Bishop Emeritus nuts. I think he would have been just, just make a decision and do it. Neither way is really wrong. There is one way of doing such things, and then there's another way of doing such things. Fortunately, we as a diocese found a middle ground between the Midwest and our East Coast Bishop. Similarly, I think that's why sometimes people don't like St. Paul so much. He is rather East Coast. He's blunt. He tells it like it is, and some people love it. They say, just cut out all the flowery stuff and just tell me what I got to do. In the matter of forgiveness today, the idea of forgiveness is put to Jesus, and he answers 
Peter, rather pastorally, I think, he answers in the affirmative, yes, forgive. And then he demonstrates what he means by telling a wonderful parable, giving examples of the damage that can occur in unforgiveness. And finally, he gives a cautionary warning. Sirach, on the other hand, in our first reading, is a lot more St. Paul. He's about as gentle as a hammer in a velvet bag. Here's the first sentence out of this shoot. Wrath and anger are hateful things, yet the sinner holds them tight. Anger is against God's will. Jesus came to make us one, and wrath works in the opposite direction. And if you have anger and wrath in you, surprise, you are the sinner in this sentence. And of course, anger and health is held tightly. Of course it is. Because it is assumed that somehow it's going to make the situation better. We don't hold on to wrath and anger because it makes us feel better. We hold on to it to protect ourselves or to try to get a message across to the other person about the damage they have done or to punish them for not being better to us. But Sirach tells us the vengeful will suffer the Lord's vengeance for he remembers our sin in detail. What two mortifying words, in detail. I don't even remember my sins in detail. That's why we spend time doing an examination of conscience before we go to confession. Come on, Sirach. And just throw some salt on that wound, too. Is it really that necessary? But he goes on. If he who is but flesh cherishes wrath, that is, if you think anger is the way of God, is the way of healing, is the way of answering conflict and bringing resolution, of completing God's intention in us, then you expect, then can you expect forgiveness from the Lord? Can we receive what we won't give away? This is largely because he who will not forgive is under the power of another person, not God. The unforgiven person has control over you and guides you in carrying out division. It's why we pray the scary words that you and I will pray in just a little while here. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Arr. And you know what? I hate forgiving. I despise forgiving. It's hard. It's sometimes humiliating and, quite frankly, sometimes dangerous. If I have to forgive, that means I felt something was taken from me. And I'm not particularly excited about just wiping that away. It's like the quote I once heard. We don't like to pray for our enemies because we are afraid that they might convert and then we will have to like them. It's an enormous thing to forgive, but, very blunt, Sirach says, remember your last days, remember death and decay, and cease from your sins. He's just not going to let up. Memento mori. Remember, we were only here for a short time. We were meant for eternity, and it's all going to be sorted out by God. Can't you, Father Valencheck, put up with anything for just the short time you're here on earth?
Sometimes people will ask me, should they do this or that thing, even though they have to put up with this other thing to attain it that's unpleasant for a while? And the question always comes down to, how much do you want that good thing? Are you strong enough and willing to put up with the unpleasant thing in order to achieve this ultimate end? Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. And so it is with heaven. How important life, how important is eternal life to you? Is it worth forgiveness? Can you deal with forgiving someone for a few years while we are here on earth in order to obtain that end? Think of the commandments, Sirach tells us. Hate not your neighbor. Remember the most highest covenant and overlook faults. It's not an easy path. And, but this faith is not easy. This is a faith for heroics. And there's no bigger foe to overcome than the self. Only the bravest and the strongest achieve it. The rest are at home this morning watching TV reruns. The faith of ours is all about creating heroic people. It is the quiet metal within you that allows you to go out and be the people of distinction in the world where many faiths are concerned to make sure you feel good. Do you feel good today? Your Catholic faith is concerned about making sure that you are good. Starting at the end of this Mass today, we begin our annual Eucharistic devotions. Our Lord Jesus Christ, as the Blessed Sacrament, will be present on our altar all day and all night, through the night hours today, tomorrow, all day Monday through the night and all day Tuesday, ending with a prayer service at 7 o'clock on Tuesday night. Can you come here and be with him for a while? You know, you might be able to run a mile in four minutes. You might be able to face down a burning building, build something beautiful, raise up a house full of kids, run a large event, make beautiful things, be faster than a speeding bullet, or leap a building in a single bound. But can you sit with the Lord for an hour? To quote Father McNamara, to breathe 25 times without distraction, that's heroism, that's discipline, that's freedom. Blaise Pascal said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly for an hour. Over these next three days, we have the opportunity to start working on our heroism by keeping company with our Lord. At the end of the Mass today, we will expose the Blessed Sacrament. And so I ask that if you're here today and you're going to be leaving, to leave quietly so that we can pray. And over these next few days, if you can adopt an hour to help uh, make sure that there's someone in here at all times, there's sign-up sheets on our uh, altar rail over here. If you can't come to a specific hour, come to any hour. Come to several hours. If you can't come for an hour, come for a half an hour. If you can't come for a half an hour, come for five minutes. If you seriously don't have five minutes, you have time to drive past the church, look through our beautiful glass windows to the Blessed Sacrament, who will be out here and go, Hi, Jesus. How you doing? And in this way, we will begin to build even more strongly our community of heroes. And speaking of heroes, today is Catechetical Sunday, and I would like to offer uh, a blessing to our catechists. Some of them are right now down in the basement, and we had many teaching this morning. If there are any catechists here today, would you please stand? I see some of you. I know you're there. All right. Let us pray. 
With your fatherly blessing, Lord, strengthen these servants of yours in their resolve to dedicate themselves as catechists. Grant that they will serve and share with others what they themselves uh, desire from pondering your word and studying the church's teaching. And let them gladly join those they teach in honoring and serving your name. We ask this through Christ our Lord. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.